Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber. I'm Shaylee Evans, and I'm a life coach for pets and their people. I'm a truth seeker, and it's my passion to empower others and to give animals a voice along the way. I'm Amber Lydic, and I have been a performance horse trainer focused on behavioral issues for over 20 years. My current passion is creating impactful in-person and online events and collaborating with professionals to be on the leading edge of positive change in the horse industry. We are two friends invested in theta healing, belief system work, animal communication, and any resources that benefit human-animal partnerships. So turn up the volume and let's dive into the Great Awakening, brought to you by Our Horses. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We are talking about boundaries today. If you missed last week's episode, we released Denise Elizabeth Byron. She is an intuitive astrologist, little magical woman. Um... She's super fun to listen to. Somehow we squirreled her away. Thanks, Nutmeg. Um, because we talked to her a while ago and I can't believe that we haven't released her episode to the great big wide world. So she's out there now. Check her out. Um, yeah, so we are about to release a little program in March around boundaries. And so how fitting that we talk about it today. We're both going through lessons in boundaries right now. Um, me with (laughs) I know um yeah relationship boundaries in many different ways boundaries with ourselves um for me it's emotional boundaries I am such a person who like gets stuck in a thought and it's so funny because I feel like people don't think of like having a boundary around like obsessive thinking or like overthinking but that's like really a thing Uh, um it's such a thing I just had a session my first session today was literally I said you have to have boundaries with your thoughts like I said those words before today so it's definitely a thing it's a thing and that's ultimately what's happening to me right now. Actually, I'm getting a lot of different lessons. I'm getting my freaking annual. No, why was I going to say annual? I'm getting my like weekly biggie lesson because he's like constantly fucking schooling me on something. And I am getting a lesson right now in controlling my thoughts because you know, this is going to come up. I accidentally sliced into friend's frog with a hoof knife. And it- I would call it a nick. It was a Nick. <laughs> she just for reference, she texted me and said severed, but in all capital letters, as if she had cut her horse's entire hoof capsule off. But that's not what happened. <laughs> okay, it's not what happened at all. <laughs> Here's what happens. You tell a story about something, right? So my story about Fern is that she is not comfortable picking her feet up and I can only trim one foot at a time. Like, well, obviously, but like, I mean, like one foot each time I try to trim her, she like only has the capacity physically, emotionally, energetically for me to just handle one foot at a time. And so I have this story around that, even though I see it shifting every day, I got stuck in that old pattern as soon as I did something that made me feel guilty. And so my story is, oh my God, I betrayed her trust. I cut into her frog. I made her bleed, which is horrible. My husband was standing there and I was like, I literally like gasped and like (laughs) my heart bled so much more than her frog bled. Like my heart literally (laughs) fell out of my mouth, flopped onto the floor and just started like bleeding out all over the place. And I was so devastated that I got her frog. 
and Justin was there and he was, I was like, oh my God, I'm the most horrible human. She's never going to trust me again. And he was like, you're still holding her foot. Like she never pulled it away. Like she didn't, like she didn't feel it. And I, for whatever reason, told this big ass story around it. And one of my like biggest faults up until now is that I obsessively think about something. So when I, like, I will anchor it into my being until I learn the lesson. So like, I immediately felt guilty, said I was guilty and anchored it into my soul. So like these last 24 hours, it's like all I can think about. And I'm constantly obsessively like, like I tried to meditate this morning and all I could see was the frog. (laughs) And then I was telling Amber that I have to trim Kip and Biggie later on today. And I was like, oh God, like let's record it. Like I want to procrastinate because like I don't want to trim them now because like I'm worried about what's going to happen. And it's just so interesting. So long story short, I'll save you guys my process, but there is actually a thing around creating boundaries around your thoughts and like really Amber's been calling it a pattern interrupt, which is like really helpful for me. Kind of like a little shot caller, a little to like your mind where you're like, okay, snap well, out of it. it. Something we need more gentle. You can call it a half halt. It doesn't have to be a shot caller. Okay. Half halt. I know me. I'm like, shock yourself out of it. Um, I need a shot caller. If you are like, I don't know, I need a fucking shot caller and it's got to be turned up to like 50 because I will just like, And what's funny too, is I tell myself, I'm not thinking it's almost like having a little hidden window where I'll tell myself like, yeah, I'm not thinking about it. And then it's like up here in the left corner of my view. (laughs) And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about being grateful and all these other things. Meanwhile, I see like the hoof and like my side eye. So yeah, (laughs) that's where I'm at right now. (laughs) You know, the, uh, the analogy that we, I talked about in that session today was, uh, we talked about the half halt, the half halt works if like you start to think about it in the beginning and you see the pattern coming and you're like, whoa, there it is. Half halt, breathe. But if the horse is already bolting with you, like it is taking the reins from your hands and it is running off with you, like the half halt's not going to work. That's like a full on, she had said, emergency stop. Like, and then I have to go into my trainer horse brain where I'm like, trainer, trainer horse brain, horse trainer brain. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I would never ride a horse so fast to where that situation would but okay, for the general population, horses, you, we all know what it feels like to have a horse take off with you. Okay, it's happened to all of us. Smarty sometimes gets himself into a state of taking off where I know I can always stop him, but I feel in his mind he has taken off. So he is my overthinker, right? Like I feel him start to overthink and I'm like, I just stop him all the way and we stand. Okay, so if your horse, aka your thoughts in your mind have bolted with you, you need to stop all the way, like all the way and just drop your reins and fucking take a seat for just sit there for wherever you are in the arena. Just sit there for a minute. Get a grip. But if your thoughts are just maybe walking faster than you think they should be, you can half halt and bring them back. And what is the next thought that I, I want to think? So the half halt for me is you half halt, you bring the horse in yourself back into the present moment, but you're real clear on what the next step is. You don't just half halt and not know what you're going to ask next, or then you're just hanging on your horse's face. It's like you get clear and then you let yourself go and see if you can be okay. If you start to trot off, you half halt again, you know? So it's like this like constant, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. But it's a strong boundary around, 
I notice when my thoughts are going and I know from doing the work around that, that it does not serve anyone for my thoughts to go so fast. Um, your thoughts going fast can look like, this is also a term that came from today's, there's so many things came from today's sessions. We should always record podcasts directly after sessions. Um, <laughs> was She would slip into toxic productivity where she would then mm. have all of these thoughts and then I just start working because I have to, and that is totally my thing, what I do, where I'm like, trying to birth is what we always say whenever we're going to do an offering. I feel like this is the last one where we're kind of creating it from like the ground up. So there's this like process that Shaylee and I have been able to come up with where I kind of create the framework and then we go and and she fills it in and then we go together and like, and, um, and so I feel this like heavy level of responsibility to create the framework. Like, where's the baby? And like, I'm like, 30 weeks pregnant and I'm like I just want to be done with this like I feel it and I'm trying to force myself into giving birth and so the the toxic productivity that is born is like me putting things down on paper and looking at it and going okay this doesn't feel right what is this but what I said is when things are created from that place that's the energy that the people that come into the offering feel right it's like this pushed and this forced and this, so we always wait until, and it always happens. So I don't know why I just don't have faith that that's going to happen. We wait until we come into the receiving mode of like, I just need to soften. So the hardcore boundary around that in your thoughts is like, no, I'm not going to let my thoughts bolt with me because that only is going to create forced energy, which is not the receiving mode, which is not valuable for anyone so that at least gives you could give you some external motivation if you need that to actually slow down your crazy thoughts and boundaries and the energy that all the things that it all the lessons it calls in when you stay in that space it's so Mm -hmm. uncomfortable it's so uncomfortable and what's so interesting is sometimes I get addicted to that space like with this hoof situation it's like I'm addicted to thinking about it Mm -hmm. and I think part of that is like it's like one of my traits to like really get to the, and that may, I feel like I'm so in this right now because of obviously I'm in the lessons of what, what we're about to teach, but I get like almost addicted to like, well, what is the bottom of it? And I'm such that person that's like, well, back in 2001, I felt this way when I did this with one of my horses. And like, I, and then, so like, Last night, I had myself connecting to like all of my past horses and like apologizing for things that like I did or the or like my unconsciousness. And like, I think it's because when we have the boundaries conversation, it feels so important to me to embody accountability around it. So like, I want to be fully accountable for everything that I say, everything that I feel, everything that I do. And so I, I'm like, it's almost like I'm going and like tidying up all of the places where I haven't felt accountable and I haven't felt like I've really like claimed my, my power. And then as soon as you start doing that, right, then you're, you're putting out a certain vibration of like, I claim my shit. I own my shit. So then the universe is like, all right, let's test you. You're going to nick your horse's frog. Are you going to like, because 
like, it's so funny because I went into that space for a second where like, I was like, oh, I wish that she could just stand still because then I wouldn't have rushed and I wouldn't have been worried about blah, 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 blah. And then I had to like bring myself back. And I was like, no, I'm going to slip into guilt instead because it is more accountable. (laughs) Not that it's the right answer, not Mm -hmm. that it's easier, but I found myself slipping into that space where I was like, damn it. Like, why can't this horse just stand so that I can take my time? And it's like, hold on. How much work have you done with her to ask her to stand? How important is it? You know, it's like all these different things that it's like, it's so funny how, well, and her standing is not necessarily like a, like her not being able to hold her foot is not crossing a boundary, but it's just, it's interesting how it all ties together, how like decisions and choices and all that stuff, it all links back to boundaries which I keep wanting to call accountability I don't know why I'm using those interchangeably because I feel like when we state a boundary it's not about the other person it falls back to the power goes to you where you say hey I'm not okay with this behavior it doesn't feel good to me so if it continues that's fine if you choose to continue knowing how it's affecting me if it's something that you are really have anchored into your experience and you don't want to shift that, that's fine. I need to remove myself from the relationship, the situation, the job, the whatever it is. So what ends up happening is that you end up having to actually do the thing, which usually is a little bit harder than being able to fall into that space of victimhood around, well, they didn't, they didn't do what they said they were going to do. So that sucks. And now I feel like shit and they don't care about me. And what it's about is you're never going to call people into your life that respect your boundaries unless you respect your own. So Mm -hmm. there's no way around that. And that's the uncomfortable truth. (laughs) Like you have to respect (laughs) your own time. You have to respect your own space. You have to respect everything about yourself for anyone to show up (laughs) for you. And that's just all that there is to it. There's no magic process. There's no coach. There's no retreat. There's no anything that is going to get you around this part, which is the hardest part. You can be supported and you can be given, you know, different ways to do it that might make it easier and clearer for you, but you are going to ultimately have to be the one that respects yourself. And ironically, what happens is you then start to call in people in your life that don't you don't need to do that with because at a deep core level, you know, nothing will be able to knock you off that place. I'm not going to, oh, the words are just gone from talking so much today. I'm not I'm not <laughs> going to um, disrespect myself for anyone. And then all of a sudden you just have people showing up that aren't bringing those lessons and you don't have to do it anymore. It's like, makes it much easier honestly that is so true I went through that big big lesson like two or three years ago where I just was like inviting a lot of bullies into my life bully mentors so like I wanted to learn a certain thing and because of because of me feeling like I was probably putting out the vibration of I know nothing I want to learn more. I'm the student. I, you know, I'm not good enough unless I learn X, Y, and Z. 
And so I was attracting these mentors in my life that were like, um, you know, you're the student, I'm the teacher, you're never going to learn this the right way if you don't X, Y, and Z. And I was constantly feeling like I needed to learn from these people. Like I was seeking external validation. So I was like, I need to learn from these people in order to be worthy or whole and complete or smart enough or good enough or whatever enough. And I also developed this belief system around like, I couldn't learn from anyone but them. And then it created this anxiety in me where I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to be little miss perfect student and all of these things and do everything just right so that I can please this person so that I don't get on their bad side because they had a bad side. And it's so interesting how when I started like really honoring how I felt and I was like, I'm not gonna like be sweating and heart pounding when I'm going on a zoom with somebody like that is not how it should be. And there's plenty of people to learn from. And, you know, I started talking to myself about like how I wanted to feel when I was learning and being in like a, an environment that felt safe to learn ultimately like boundaries. If you think about it, having a boundary is cultivating safety within yourself. Like you want to feel safe. You want to set yourself up for success. Anytime you don't have a boundary about something, there is a level of not feeling safe, whether it's not feeling safe to express your emotions, not feeling safe to say what you need to say and say what you need to say. <laughs> anytime I, you know, that song, anytime I say that, it like comes up in my mind. Sorry, squirrel. Um, so that is just like such a big piece that I had to learn where I was constantly, um, yeah. And it was affecting my body. I was getting fatigued all the time. I didn't like what I was doing. I was noticing like it just had a trickle effect in like every area of my life. It was so interesting. Yeah. I think people pleasing was really like my jam um, for a long time. And that is just a form of like disrespecting yourself and your needs and not having mm -hmm. boundaries. Like I didn't have boundaries. I would say things, you know, I mean, mostly I have really good boundaries with horses and animals. Like that has never been a problem. My learnings are all in the people realm and probably because my focus then shifted over to the people because that's where I started to notice like the difference of why is it so easy for me to create the space and then the horses relax and soft and like, I don't understand. And I can get all, then I can get all this stuff done where the owner would come in and that wasn't there, no matter how nice they were, no matter how, like how they did the exercise or whatever correctly, like they were not getting the same softness in the horse's body. There wasn't the compliance. And I was like, what is the difference? And it felt like boundaries. And I think a lot of people hear boundaries and they think, oh, that's like to keep people away. It's a boundary. You can't come in here. This is my space. When it's like, no, like it's a filtration system. I like to think of it as like a big net, you know, like, <laughs> like filters in all the people that are willing to hear you, see you, respect you for how you feel. And it keeps out naturally without you having to do anything. The people that aren't feeling the vibe and know they can't manipulate you. They know they can't push that around. But like, if you think about it, I always bring this up when you think about like your friends that have boundaries, like you want to be around somebody, you know, how they feel like, I don't want to be in a friendship, relationship, partnership, and be doing things in that relationship that is hurtful or offensive or uncomfortable for that person. I don't want that. I want them to tell me that. 
Um, and I think what people think is they, that the people don't want to receive that from you. They don't want to know, but if you really have somebody that you care about, you don't want to do those things that make them that way. And if it's something you're doing unconsciously, or you don't recognize, you want that stuff to be brought to your attention. The people that don't want that brought to their attention are the people that are probably fucking using you <laughs> and it's benefiting yeah. somehow that you don't have that in place. And so you honoring yourself, saying how you feel and then, and then choosing you in all of those scenarios, it gets rid of those people on their own and you don't have to do it in a way that's me. You don't have to tell them, get away from me, or you just get to say, well, I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Not that that's always easy, but the end result is that you don't have to continue doing it. And um, I was trying to think of like, just in my strands of relationships where it's been me people pleasing. And I think, why did I do that? And it was like, because I was trying to be easygoing, I was trying to be flexible and adaptable. And, you know, and I wanted to be all the things and it, I, okay, but what was underneath that? And you dig, well, it's fear of abandonment, abandonment for me. Like I didn't want to lose, like when I found something that I loved, it would hold on so tight that I would just like totally disregard anything that felt good or respectable in, in my space. But even the feeling of that is like, even if it doesn't, it's control. The The energy is control. I'm trying to control where you go without saying it. I'm not saying don't go here, don't go there, don't do that. But it's like the vibe is there. And that's what actually people pick up on. So I feel like with our offering where I really want to go, we're going to go all kinds of places, but the conversation is going to be had is really like, how do you actually align what you really want energetically so that when you speak the boundary, the energy is coming from a place of deserving and honoring yourself and not feeling guilty about it and not feeling weird about it. Feeling like I'm doing this because I respect myself so much that I need people in my life that are going to do the same. And like, how do you do that? And so I feel like that's really the most juiciest spot for me. Cause it's interesting. The things that shift once you do that for yourself. And I think when it started mm -hmm. is that when we started working together, because I had told Shaylee, we were, we were having a conversation and, um, it, I got, I got triggered where someone was talking about their business partnerships and how they had come into conflict and how they had to, you know, how they resolved it. And, and I immediately was like, Oh God, when are we going to get into it? Like, when are we going to have a conflict? What? Oh my God. I don't want to, I don't want to lose Shaylee as my friend. Oh my God. Forget it. Cancel everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> having boundaries with your mind. I was watching this happen because we, I know we're going into this teaching, right? And it's like bubbling up. I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous because from the get go, Shaylee and I have said, we will do this as long as it's fun. Like when, I mean, and there are moments where it's like, even the moments that I feel like, oh gosh, you know, we have to do these things and it feels a little bit like there's pressure. It's never not fun because we mm -hmm. are constantly honoring ourselves within this partnership. I think that's what it is. Like if you were to say today, I can't do a fucking podcast today. I would be like, whatever. Like I wouldn't take it personal. We would just be like in the space of the podcast will happen when it's supposed to. And I think because we both have done enough work where we can stay in that vibe we don't really bump up against that stuff because we're always going to honor ourselves and we know that about each other. And we also know we're going to honor each other. So it feels like that's where the safety comes in. And I think that's why when we create stuff, people can feel that vibe because it is what it's stemming from is that place. So, um, so if you want relationships like that, then you have to do the things. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Ultimately, end of story. It's so funny too, because Biggie is the one that's like schooling me right now on this for the most part. And um, I've been talking to Amber about like, we like FaceTimed for an hour the other day because I was like, oh God, like I went into like one of my little moments where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And we ended up talking about haltering and like his space invading. And what's so funny because he always wants to like shove his nose into me or nudge me or like he likes to shove me around with his head. And I had this whole story around it that I won't go into, but um, she was like, well, does he do it with Justin? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I asked Justin the other day, I was like, can you turn Biggie out for me? And he was like, uh, why? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I just need help in the barn or whatever. So like, he, he like, goes into the barn. Him from the, from the barn. <laughs> I know. I was in Kip's stall, like very slowly haltering and he walks over to Biggie he like opens up his halter like he haltered him in a way that I never halter him um like he stood in front of him with the halter open and like slid it onto his face and then flipped the crown piece over and I normally stand on the side of him and it was so interesting because Biggie did what he normally does when you halter him in front which is shove his nose out like into your face and Justin like I guess wasn't offended by that so he didn't do anything he just changed his position to be on the side of Biggie instead because he was like okay he's tossing his head and Biggie went to like um do his normal thing where he like pushes into Justin and Justin just like very swiftly like put his hand up and then went back to the crown piece and took him out and I thought it was so funny I I was just like laughing because like it was just such a quick clear quiet like he put his hand up Biggie went into neutral he finished buckling him Biggie never moved he opened the gate and like it was just it was just that quick, clear, like, no, thanks. I don't want that. And me, it's like, I had this whole story that I was telling Amber. I was like, he was abused in the past. And like, if I'm putting his halter on, like, I feel like I'm controlling his space and his face and like all these other things. And like, even though it's necessary and I have this whole vibe. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny because we, here's what I like about this conversation too, is when we talk about like creating the space, all of this stuff, it's like, you're aligning your vibrational frequency as well. And sometimes like if, even if you do the inner work around boundaries and you start really, well, it is the inner work obviously, but all we had to do was have that conversation where I had that conversation with her. I got to the root of what I was doing and I was like, oh yeah, I don't like that. And in my mind, I visualized like, what would I like? Well, I would like to be able to walk up to him. He would kind of stay in a neutral position. I'd put his halter on. I'd feel nice and calm. And then we'd walk out. I haven't had to put my hand up a single time. Like I haven't even had to create a physical boundary after that conversation because I just got so energetically clear with what I wanted that now that door, Abraham Hicks calls it leaving your goat out to get gotten. And my goat was not out (laughs) to get gotten. So I did not even have to do anything. I just changed my internal, um, mindset around it, which I think is really freaking cool. Cause like, how easy is that and how simple, and now my life is like better for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a piece of like, we get to respect their boundaries, but like we have, it goes back to respecting your own boundaries, right? Like, no, I don't the simple, clear, like, no, thank you. I don't want your big old bony face smashing into my face. It doesn't have to be a whole let's sit down and focus it and like no thank you and then you go on right like no thank you here's my boundary and you, oh there's your boundary here's mine cool and we go and I think that that is the same thing as I'm respecting my space as much as I'm going to respect yours 
and I think people have swung mm -hmm. kind of wildly one direction or the next in this horsemanship world right now. It's like full autonomy. And then like, and then there's like abuse and it's like, well, there is a space in between where everyone gets to stay safe and also cohabitate together and no one's going to be traumatized from it. When I'm working with horses, it's like, those are my rules of engagement. You get to have all the expressions you want. You get to tell me how you feel. And the process looks very slow in the beginning. So I don't want anyone to think that I just jump into the round pen and I'm like in this stuff. But you get to express away from me. If you need to walk away, if you need to bite, if you need to pin yours, whatever, as long as it's not being in my, and I have the same, I get to create a boundary with a whip not at you, but my space, this is my space. I'm showing you, I'm making it big. Sometimes the somatics of whipping the ground actually helps call up the energy for people is why I use it. But I'm not whipping at them unless they come at me. And I, we did talk about this the other day where I have had horses that before my young trainer career, I didn't understand what protective contact was. So I would just have to get into the <laughs> round and it was like some, there were moments where these were the horses that came to me that this is their last chance. And the people were desperate and we have two months, this is my budget. And so I have to stay in this like space of having empathy for the trainers who are out there knowing I can make at least a little bit of a difference and set this horse up possibly to be mildly more successful and not end up at a fucking auction house. Like those were situations that I was in. And so when you went in, you had to stay so far out of the story and you had to stay so far out of my feelings are hurt or I'm mad or I'm in fear or I have to protect myself. You had to stay in this, like, this is just my space and you can't come in at me. And you had to match the energy that was given to you sometimes. So it was like, when I think about this vast, like swing in the horse world, it's like, there's so much gray. And so people get so hard on themselves when they want to give their horse that respect, but then also they don't want to end up in the hospital because that doesn't serve anybody either. So it's like, it's just crazy. There's so many conversations that are probably going to be had. I think I feel over the next few podcasts about boundaries. Cause I don't feel like the lessons for us are going to stop. So, um, <laughs> well, and you but. know, what's funny too, is that I didn't even think like, cause I told you, I was like, oh yeah, like I leave his gate shut. Cause I don't want him walking into me. And so it was easier for me to just leave the gate shut instead of like having to be the one to tell him. And then I remember telling you like, if he like, what's he going to do? Like I'm putting the halter on his face. He's trying to take his control back by coming into my space. And because people have controlled him in the past and you were like, yeah, but he doesn't have to come into your space. He could just back up and then you won't halter him. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like I didn't even think of him walking away as a choice. Like he always has that choice obviously, but it's just so funny in that moment how I created a story around why he was allowed to violate my personal space and why I was allowing myself to live with the like anxiety and like that feeling of like my personal space being violated. I was like, oh, this is excusable because of this. And then you were like, uh, no, you can still hold your personal boundary and he still has choice. He could back up. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> so this conversation is so fun because I think when you're in it and when you really care, ultimately, I think like when we make excuses for our boundaries being crossed, it's like usually because we care about someone or we care about something. And like, it's so easy to like compromise yourself um, and forget that there is another way. So, yeah. 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 And then I also think the one little piece people forget is that 
I always go straight to, I don't feel like horses, they're not our victims. And they, I mean, I think people and horses alike go through hard shit, but I, I think I've asked you this before. Like, have you ever talked to a horse that feels like it's been victimized or it is a victim of, and I'm, I can't remember what you said, but I don't think that that energy has ever been present. And um, that when they are doing those things, right. He, that came from a place of this is I'm, I'm pushing, I'm, I'm creating space for myself to make sure I can remain in control. But ultimately your example of I'm protecting my space. You can do that as well. Express over there. I'll express over here, but you give permission for everyone to feel that like comfort and, Oh, just like same as human relationship. It's like, no, this is the example of how you can't do that. And horses soften into that shit. So deliciously because I've done it. a I can say that (laughs) undoubtedly that when you create boundaries for horses, their level of trust in you, if you do it from a place of that, not a place of I'm mad, I'm angry, you're supposed to listen, they will still stay, they will stay defensive. But if you soften and go, oh no, that's my space, sir. Like you're over there. Let's talk about it with this space in between us first while we can connect and get on the same page. They always relax. Facts. Prove me wrong. <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh yeah. The thunder. I never get oh. thunder. This is so exciting. Um, yeah. So. Go outside and enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming to our conversation, guys. Let us let us well, do we want to talk about um joining the Facebook group and all that fun stuff? Yeah, I'm gonna throw a link. Um, if you guys want to continue the boundary conversation, it's gonna be good. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes and then uh, you guys can click on it, fill in it's all free. Join our little Facebook community. We're going to do, we're going to have a little guest in there to talk about the implications of boundaries when they are not set on your, on, on your life. Um, We'll have a little talk and we're going to do a live conversation on the 14th. It's all free. And then beyond that, there is, there is a a workshop that if you want to like get into the nitty gritty and like do the things, we'll talk about that later, but that it will be there for you and available, but everything else is free. So Come snag it while you can. It's going to be magical and life changing as per normal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you guys later. Later.